You're listening to Everyday Humanity. Welcome back to Everyday Humanity. You guys, this is our last episode of season two. So thank you as always for joining us. I always am excited to speak to our guests each and every week. And this week is no different, but I have to tell you a little bit of a funny story. So as I mentioned in last week's episode with Cheryl, I was sitting between two CEOs, which is a true story. I sit in the middle of this round table, the middle is a thing in a round table. And this week I'm sitting between two individuals with whom I have the pleasure of working very closely with in proximity every day in our advancement administration office area. So I'm just, I'm really excited to be here because there's a lot of ribbing that goes on Monday through Friday, a lot of joking because we get along very well and, you know, just admire one another and the work that we do. But we have a lot of fun as we do it. So this could go a lot of ways is really what I'm saying. Um, we're going to cover a lot of ground in this episode, but um, I, I really just want to share um, who our guest is. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Dennis so he can introduce him. Thanks, Beth. I have no idea what you're talking about because As I am usual. the utmost serious person <laughs> that I know mm-hmm. all times, all times. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I'm excited about this episode too. So our guest today is Tim Sweeney. And I have known Tim for 10 and a half years, uh, met him when I was hired in at Mel Trotter. He was already there. And um, through the first time that we worked together, which we'll unpack in a minute, our first years together at, uh, at Mel Trotter, um, I found him to be this driven guy, like driven, but not driven for his own gain, driven for our organization and our cause and to be sort of God's instrument in helping the guests that we serve. Um, and instantly I was like, I like this guy. Right. Um, so then we became friends. And um, Tim, at one point, God called him to a different organization for a while. And then he has come back uh, two years ago to lead our campaigns and has just done an absolutely amazing job. So I'm really excited for our listeners, if you don't know Tim, to hear a little bit about Tim, see his heart. Uh, hopefully we will have some humor. I'm sure we will. Um, but Tim, welcome. And um, I think first, just tell us a little bit about, uh, yeah, tell us about your family. I mean, we know your wife and your kids, but I know you're a great dad and a great husband and you're very proud of your family. So just share a bit about your family. Yeah. So uh, Christy and I have four sons, uh, Jeremiah, who's 18, Logan, who's 16, uh, Caleb is 13, and then we have a little four-year-old, uh, uh, Colton, who's so our... So from 13 to four, there must be a story there. Yeah. God's story. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. Go on. <laughs> God's story. Yeah, we had a little surprise later on in life uh, in Colton, uh, and we love him dearly. Uh, he's He makes us feel a lot younger than we are. Um, uh, Christy and I, actually, we married 20 years, wow. uh, May That's 25. Awesome. For listeners who don't know you, which might be rare because a lot of people know you here in West Michigan, um, can you talk a little bit about how you first came to Mel Trotter, right? Dennis talked about you predated both of us, obviously, and you were here for kind of a stint, and then you did a certain job function then, and it's evolved. So can you take us back a little bit? Yeah, so I I actually got here to Michigan uh, in 1995 uh, to study at Reformed Bible College of all places. Um, 
which was totally not me. <laughs> I, I grew up in the south suburbs of, of Chicago and barely graduated high school, actually. I had a 1.9 grade point average. Yes, that's awesome. So, but I made it. I graduated. So when I left uh, high school by the skin of my teeth, uh, my family was involved in the garbage business. And my dad said, well, just be a garbage man. And they make good money. So I'm like, all right, I'll try that for a year. So I tried that for a year, and I'm just like, oh, this is this is not me at all. <laughs> um, and I was I was uh, I was not walking with the Lord at all during during that season. Um, I really walked away from the church in my faith uh, during during my garbage pickup days, I guess you can say. Um, and it took a youth pastor um, to, to confront me and said this isn't how you were raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for some reason, it was August uh, 1995, and they said, just come up and check out Reform Bible College. I have two people that want to pay for you to go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So sure enough, I came up here and uh, fell in love with Reform Bible College so it was there from 1995 till 2000. That's where I met Christy. Wow. Um, I can't remember your question. No. How did you get to Meltron? Yeah. <laughs> I get to- yeah. And, and I just, I want to yeah. pause here because I know you're getting that part of your story, but um, thank you for taking this back because, one, I didn't know all of that. But what's really interesting to me, we talked about this in our last interview with Cheryl Shook, is God directing our steps, right? Even when we don't know it, even when we are like, no offense, but clueless, because I was also at like 17, 18, 19, not living the life um, that I had been shown from my parents. I was just like, I'm just going to rebel here for a quick second. (laughs) You know, this is just what I'm going to do. And it took people pouring into me too to say, you know what? You're made for more than this. Like, this is not who God created you to be. This is not what you were shown growing up. But, you know, as parents now, we we understand that um, obviously we have this unconditional love for our children and that that's okay, right? They, They come back eventually and they have this belief that, you know what? I have value, I have mattering, I have worth, which I think is very similar for both of us because we lived a season of our lives where we didn't quite get that or believe that for ourselves, which is why now, at least for me, it's super imperative to share that with our guests because so many of them have never been poured into like that. So many of them believe that they're not worthy of that either. So I I love that you shared that. And um, yeah, I think it just informs who we all are today. Yeah. So that took you on your journey. I'm sorry to interrupt it. You're still like 19, even though I know you're like almost 50 here, but keep us going. <laughs> so how'd you get to Mel Trotter? Yeah, so. <laughs> so I actually got involved with Mel Trotter in 2009. Um, I, I was first introduced to the homeless population at an internship in Rosalind, which is uh, in downtown Chicago by a guy named Reverend Tony Van Zanten. And he agreed, as I was attending Reformed Bible College, to be my mentor for a summer. And that's when I began to fall in love with uh, people um, who are in poverty, people who are homeless. Um, so really got to see some really tough situations in Chicago. If you've ever been to Chicago, it's, the homeless population is pretty, right? There's, there's, there's quite a few of them. Um, so it was very overwhelming. Um, so that's really when I fell in love with with the homeless population. In 2009, I was actually unemployed in 2008 for a year. So actually, Dennis and I have similar stories. So I, I always say that God brought me out of unemployment to the uh, to a to a rescue mission. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So that's when I, I started um, a fundraising for, for Mel Trotter. Mm-hmm. And it had been, so I was at Mel Trotter from 2009 till 2016 as a, a fundraiser, as a, a VP of development. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, I felt God um, releasing me from Mel Trotter for, I didn't know at the time how long. Right. Um, I didn't know exactly why, uh, but God released me to uh, Potter's House School uh, to do their capital campaign. In 2019, um, Dennis and I kept in contact uh, throughout that those couple of years. But in 2019, having lunch with Dennis, we began to explore, like, what would it look like to come back and do this campaign that we just completed? And uh, really, really felt God saying, yes, please go back. Uh, this is your heart is here. Um, you have gifts and talents uh, that could be utilized during during this campaign. I didn't realize that at the time uh, what we'd go through in order to get to $17 million, which we could talk about here as well, but um, didn't realize that when we that I came back, what that goal would be and what we'd go through, right? Pandemic and everything yeah. else. So, so Tim is being who he is. He's being very humble. And I want to fill in some blanks for the listeners. So... You know, my experience with Tim, his first stint, I guess, at Mel Trotter um, was this is a guy who is really one of the best fundraisers. Right. And because he cares so deeply about the mission and he's a relationship guy, he can remember the most obscure detail about one of our donors that, like most people, it would just pass. And he remembers it and then he just doesn't remember it, but he acts on it. Right. And so now. um a couple things about Tim's Tim's integrity as as a person. So I can remember we were at a breakfast, and if I remember, we were supposed to be a breakfast with a donor, and the donor for some reason had a conflict and couldn't show up, so it was just Tim and I. And the night before, I had seen that there was this position open at Potter's House, and I knew that Tim had a heart for Mel Trotter and a heart for Potter's House. His kids go to school there, and I wondered if Tim would apply for that. And at that breakfast, Tim says, "Hey, there's an opening at Potter's House." And I'm like, uh-oh, where is this leading? And he shares that he and Christy feel like he should pray about this. I'm like, okay, pray about this. And I said, you know, my only request is that to the extent that you're comfortable, that you just keep me in the loop. Well, you know, you make that request. You don't really expect anybody to do it, right? Because it's their journey of where they're going to be employed or not be employed. And Tim did it. Every step of the way, he kept me informed. And when he was offered the job, I think it was a Friday night or something like that, he called me and just said, hey, we're torn. We've been offered this job and we're trying to discern this. And he invited me in. And I thought, wow, this is a person of incredible character and integrity. Now, fast forward, he's got the job at Potter's House. Tim is keeping in touch with me on a weekly basis, helping me be a better CEO like he did when he was employed there. So it would look like this. Hey, um, Today is so-and-so's anniversary, so you might want to call them and wish them a happy anniversary. Hey, um, it's usually this time of year that we go and have coffee with this donor. And remember, their passion is really for this at Mel Trotter. So, so remember to do that. And I'm like, this guy's not getting paid by Mel Trotter, and yet he is still working on behalf of this ministry. Um, so then to Tim's point, we kept in touch. We had coffees, lunches, and as, as Mel Trotter is getting closer to a capital campaign, our conversation just evolved to another time of prayer. Like, what if God is saying, I brought you to Potter's house for this? 
And what if he's saying now I'm bringing you to Demel Trotter for this? And uh, and and Tim left Potter's house with the same amount of integrity and character as he did Mel Trotter. Um, and I, John Boy is the is the president there, and and I think John, if he was sitting here, would say the same thing. Um, Tim honored God in the way that he worked, but in the way that he left and in the way that he came. Um, and I know you would never say that of yourself, so that's why I'm saying it for you. Um, but that, frankly, has taught me a lot about character and integrity and, and humility. So um, a lot of people see Chicago Tim, and um, and they don't realize sort of just the depth um, of, of who you are as a person and how you try to just follow God. So I'm really, really uh, grateful. And I want our listeners to know that about you. So there wasn't a question in there anywhere. So I don't know where I'm going from here, Beth. You're filling in gaps, as you said. Oh, there we go. Yes. yes. I'm a gap yes. filler. Yes, you are. Dennis is more of a storyteller than I am. I am. That's, that's you know, Jesus sure. was a storyteller. He was. <laughs> and and you guys are saying things that if, if I can circle back when we first started that, you know, I get the privilege of being in proximity to both of you every day. And these are facts, people. Like, you are absolutely a relational guy. And, yes, you are very much a storyteller, <laughs> which is why. <laughs> why are you laughing? Because <laughs> um, we like stories around here. No, but um, one of the things. To, so, as you described very accurately, Tim's heart and his um, you just just your demeanor, your character, who you are. Um, I get to see it firsthand too. All of us do, and so we see you. You are like one of the very first people that is out in the hallways every day talking to guests. Hey, man, what's up? How's it going? Right? How's this? How's that? And, and he so, knows my name. Absolutely, and it's just this level of um, just relationship, relationship. And so you see people for who they are. You're very accepting of everybody, always at all times. And so you just you really do embody servant leadership. And so. I guess I, my question, that's a lead in to say, how does that inform like what you do every day, right? You are our chief campaign officer, not raising just a little bit of money. So how do you take every single thing that God gifted you with and who you are and take that into this driven self, also who you are, and turn that into the greater good of um, achieving a huge capital campaign renovation? I, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> this is the, This is my personality that uh, because you both say a, you know a, a lot of good things about me right and 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 go back to childhood right this is one of the areas that I really struggled in I was so conceited and so cocky and I really worked hard and I'm not there yet I really worked hard at at not being that person anymore uh, so um, I think that what I do often in fact I just did it this morning um, before I come into work, I always, I always ask God to either break my or continue to break my heart for things that break His, mm. right? And and as people will laugh at me sometimes, like, why do you always walk around so much in a mission? Or part of it is I can't sit still. Yeah, ADHD, <laughs> ADHD perhaps. <laughs> so I do have, as Dennis says, I do have ADHD. Uh, it, it runs in my family. Uh, Part of it is relationships because I like relating to people. And the other part is the more I walk around, the more that God shows me for things that break his heart. Mm -hmm. So an example of this would be that when I got back here in 2000. Oh, I was so hoping you would tell this story. Was it 2009? No, three years ago. So three years ago, um, one of the things that I noticed as I walked around after being gone for two years is we have this large room, an old gymnasium, and, and, and I was walking around one day, and, and I noticed all these mattresses were on the floor, and I grabbed one of our staff and said, well, who sleeps on these mats, and why are they on the ground? 
Uh, and she explained to me that that's where the single women uh, who are uh, who are homeless they sleep there. There's probably thirty or forty mats on the ground, mm-hmm. um, and and God has really put us, me, in a unique position at Mel Trotter of uh, authority. You know, so I went back to our executive leadership team, which uh, Dennis and Beth and I sit on. Uh, Beth wasn't here yet, and I just. I just broke down and said, and really, this is really the heart of the campaign. God expects more from us. There's absolutely no dignity at all in having these 40 ladies lay on a mattress. We can do better. We have to do better, right? And that's, that is the campaign. It wasn't the campaign to build these, these, these bunk beds, which ultimately that's what happened. Um, but there was no dignity. There was no respect. There is what well, we can tell them that how much we love them, but are we showing that by allowing them to sleep on the floor on these mats? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's that's what really drives me, and that drives me as a as a as a fundraiser um, that drove me to to put so much so much effort into this campaign is that we need to do better. We can do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that was a driving force through this crazy pandemic kept pushing me and pushing me and pushing me because I knew what it was going to be at the end, mm-hmm. right? We had a couple of revisions along the way. <laughs> a couple? couple. <laughs> <laughs> but we landed on a great product. So yeah, yeah these the, the listeners would, if you haven't seen it, come see it. Come see these dorm style, not dorm style, these uh, suite style uh, rooms, just like you would see at a college. They're just, they're just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It just got dignity and respect and self worth written all over them. Yeah, yeah. And the other part of Tim, so he was telling about the part where, he, like, he saw these mats and he comes into executive leadership team meeting. The other part of Tim also took over because after the emotion of it, he's like, all right, and I've already done the math, and it's going to cost $25,000 to get bunk beds for everybody so that nobody has to sleep on the floor anymore. And I think we're going to launch a separate campaign right now to get that done. And we all sort of stood there or sat there, and we were like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yep, and I think God's going to bless and God's going to provide. And that campaign for $25,000 for bunk beds, actually God worked and provided $75,000, which allowed us to build more bunk beds, do more things to provide dignity, and provide beds at no cost to another sister organization that also had people on the ground. And it was like, so there's this, there was this emotional Tim whose heart was breaking for this. And then there was like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? All right, here we're going to do, we're going to do a campaign and here's where, and we did it. Uh-huh. You talked about this morning in our same page staff meeting, um, sort of the differences between the difference, the main difference between orthodoxy and orth- orthopraxy, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's this is yeah. what I believe and now this is what I'm going to go do about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's that's really what we're all about here. It's right. We see and identify, OK, why is this systemic thing still a thing and how can we go upstream? Right. How can we prevent um homelessness and how can we just prevent and divert and say we don't want people to even enter the system so where are we over here and then once people if they do enter the system what can we do about it? how can we get them through in the you know least amount of time but while they're here and with us how do we see them how do we know them how do we pray with them come alongside them how can we actually be the change right how can we do the things that God has called us to do for the work that is ours to do I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I get a little bit overwhelmed with, wow, there's a, there's a lot to do, mm-hmm. right? There's always so much that yeah. can be done. So how do we collectively say, and your prayer is, I know you've shared before with us, um, 
for God to break your heart for what breaks his. Mine is always, please show me today what's mine to do. Because I, mm-hmm. I know I can't do it all. And that was my lack of humility. Back in the day, I was like, oh, I can do it. Just give it to me, right? I'll get it all done. No problem. I got this. And like, oof, not even close. I came here thinking, wow, how hard can nonprofit be? <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I missed that memo. But, you know, it's it's the most rewarding work I've ever done, yeah. honestly. So, yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting journey, I think, the whole way around. So what is one of the... Um, in the time that you've come back, right, stint number two, what what sort of changes are did you see maybe right away, and do you continue to see within you know the inner structure of Mel Trotter? I would say that God is showing us things today that He didn't show us before. Um, a lot of the a lot of the things that we're doing today we didn't see before, and I think that God does that on purpose. Either you're as a mission are not ready for that or the community is not ready for it. So take, for example, the uh, shower unit that we have that goes on out on outreach, right? That's like the only shower unit in the state of Michigan. Right. It's right here at Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I would say that we've become, we've evolved into something that's, right, the experts, and I know we don't, we don't say this a lot, the experts in homelessness that were called to be that. Beth alluded to it a minute ago when she said um, that you're very relational and you're the first one in the hallway talking to the guest and you do know so many of them by name. So I'm wondering if you would share a story about a guest that has just impacted your life, whether it was your first stint at Mel Trotter or currently, but just, just a story of a guest that just really impacted you. Yeah, I would say that we had a guy. I don't know what happened to him now. We'd have to go and research a little bit. We had a guy. uh, His name was Steve. um, And Steve was a regular PI or uh, so public inebriant. So instead of the uh, guests going to a a local hospital, those who are intoxicated, they come to Mel Trotter as long as they're medically cleared. Um, We had a guy. His name was Steve that used to come all the time. Every day he would come and be drunk and he would recover and then he would get out and then uh, get drunk again. And this happened day after day after day after day. And then finally one day um, he wanted to get help. He wanted to get help. So uh, he went through our program. Actually, it was a f- he was a former chiropractor who lost it all. He lost it all. And uh, he got into our program, graduated from our program, uh, went out and uh, with the Calvin Seminary under a leadership of a, of a dear friend of mine, Pastor Jewel Medenblink, who's the president there. Uh, he studied under him and uh, graduated from there. And the last I knew, I'm not sure if he's still doing this, but uh, he was one of the chaplains uh, in, a, in a prison on the east side of the state. And why I bring that up to today is um, just the pure resilience of our staff, specifically our nurses. Mm. So not only Steve, his cool story, but it's even a cooler story that our nurses just 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 kept ministering, kept ministering, kept ministering. It just it didn't matter how many times Steve would come back, they just kept ministering to him. Mm-hmm. They had no idea that eventually Steve would become a pastor, right? At a prison of all places. So I would say between our nurses and Steve, both of their stories, you know, really have touched me over the years. You know, it also shows that, but God, right? You often hear, but God. And that was mm-hmm. some, some people have counted Steve out, yeah. but God, 
Yeah. But God yeah. showed up. God showed up through our staff, right, uh, through our nurses, uh, through Pastor Jewel Menenblik at Kelvin Seminary, through the donors who helped get him there, through there. And again, he's he's doing phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, out at uh, a prison. Yeah. So um, Steve just retired. Oh. So I'm connected with him on some social media. And uh, last week he just retired and they had a retirement party for him. And uh, but again, God just used him. And, you know, we often say internally that um, uh, the world, society, our culture uh, gives up on a lot of people that we serve at Mel Trotter. But God has never given up on any of us, including those that we serve that might be the hardest, meanest, sometimes smelliest cases. And if God doesn't give up on someone, then we're not either. So to your point, right, our nurses could have given up on Steve. Yeah. Because when you go year, year, year of this kind of behavior and this kind of repetitive, right, you can say, well, he, he will never change. She will never change. Um, but that's not God's economy. And God's calling us to say, nope. We're not going to give up either, and we're going to be here, and we're going to walk, and, and yeah, then he becomes a pastor. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. Right? That's like a story you'd read about in the Bible. Yeah. 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 So what um, – I've been asking this a lot uh, uh, on this podcast and, and other places. So as as a leader, uh, as person with responsibility, what – what keeps you going in the toughest times? You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, we we launched a capital campaign before a pandemic, and a <laughs> pandemic is not exactly the best time to try and raise money for a capital campaign, but we kept going. Um, so what what keeps you going? Uh, I, w- I would say when I struggle the most without s- lack of sleep in the evening, it's because of the people that I have built relationship with, um, that are on the streets. Um, that's that's what really I think I think really drives me is I don't want another person to be on the streets. You know, you walk around the mission, and I have a four-year-old, and I I, I talked about him a, a little bit earlier, but we have young kids like our Colton, who's four, um, that are in our mission, all right, and and that and that just breaks it breaks my heart, and it just drives me forward. Right. I always, I often talk about. Um, I don't need any accolades from anybody at Mel Trotter. Right. I just, I just want to come and just and do the best that I can to raise as much money as I can uh, in order, f- in, in order for Mel Trotter to continue to do good work. In order for that four-year-old, maybe it's a Colton. I don't always know their names. Right. That. They don't have to stay in the mission one one, one more night. Yeah. I can't imagine staying in the mission um, overnight with my kids. Yeah. You sound. You guys both know Ryan, my husband, and he went on outreach. Um, yeah. We went last last year, and very similar to him, he, you know, all jovial, all excited, all raring to go. Like, okay, can't wait. And he's in the. I'm driving the van because I'm cleared to do that. And uh, might be topic for another day. But um, I'm behind the wheel of our outreach van, and Ryan was in the front, and we were on outreach looking for folks right that might need supplies and might need to come into the mission and just we're out and about and we brought um a young man into uh the outreach van with us who said he wanted to go back to the mission said great so he's in the back of the vehicle and ryan's chatty and where are you from tell me your story what's your name and just engaging and we brought him to the men's entrance entrance which was not under construction at the time and ryan got out and 
I saw them shake hands and hug. And then he got back in the van and immediately started crying, like broke down crying. I'm like, is it my driving? I don't know. <laughs> um, and I knew it was. You know, I, I kid because this stuff is kind of hard for me, too. And um, he just said that could be Chase. That could be my son, his son, right, who is early 20s, who thinks they got the world by, like, I got this, right? I was raising a good family. I had everything that I needed. And this was this, this kid's story as well. And he said, I just made some bad choices. I ha- started hanging out with the wrong crowd. Um, and, you know, and, and our kids sometimes just become absolutely uh, enamored in ways that, you know, despite our best parenting efforts, we can't control that. And yet we see them starting to go down this slippery slope. And that was this kid's story. And he shared it with Ryan and he just broke down and said, I, I can't stand to think of Chase here. You know, there's got to be something that we can do so that this doesn't happen to any other father's son. Right. And those are the things that, you know, we see all the time. And I, I look at um, some of our vets in our, in our mission, the veterans wing, and I look at them and I think that could be my dad. Right. It's it's putting a human element, being proximate to our guests, understanding their stories, that they are sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and people in the world that God also made. Right. That have plans and a purpose. And we're like, this isn't right. To your point, this is not OK. And we have to step into what God has called us to do and, and make a difference. So that doesn't happen. So it's just I, I love hearing you share this, because in the, in the world of what we do every day. Right. It's like, OK, did you call this donor? Did you send this person? Thank you. No, it's it's the things that need done. But yet this is the heart behind it. In the last podcast with Cheryl, uh, we were talking a little bit about leadership, and Cheryl uh, articulated very well um, this idea as, as a leader that's leading an organization that um, you, you have some gifts and expertise in certain things, but that true leadership is to understand where your gifts are and then to create room for other experts to come in and do things. So I want to um, take maybe a little bit of a fun turn with this. Because um, as a CEO of the organization, I was able to bring in two very high-powered, relational, dynamic people in the two of you, Beth and Tim, right? And there's a lot of overlap in your space. So um, sometimes I I joke with the team, I'm like, I'm just going to watch these two and I'm going to eat popcorn and enjoy the show, right? Because you both are so passionate and so driven and you both talk with your hands and right, (laughs) you both do this. So what it has been like, what has it been like for you two to find find that um, that way to work together on behalf of this ministry and our guests when you both have like these great ideas and there's some overlap in fundraising and stuff. So what has it been like for you two to form? Because when I, from where I sit, I see this really beautiful, cool relationship that's developed between you two. But I also have sat back and watched some times where it was like, oh, that might be a little rocky, but you've, but you've got such a the strong relationship. So what has that been like? Now I'm going to eat popcorn and listen to your... <laughs> well, you're our guest, Tim. You can go first. <laughs> I roll for, for those who are listening. <laughs> yeah, I can go over that. Um, <laughs> I think that... I think it could become a problem in some situations. I think that you've hired two people that are not here for themselves. Yes. Right? And that's the biggest difference. Um, we are not... I said this before. We are not here... I'm going to speak for Beth for a minute, for our own accolades. I mean, yeah. right? It, it's just, yeah. So I think that we have mutual respect for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are not here um, for ourselves. We're here because we want to make a difference in a person's life or people's yeah. lives. And I think that we've been able to 
set aside our own agendas, if we have any, and just continue to put Mel Trotter and God's work before our own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reason why this has been, I think you've been here, what, two years now? Two and a half, yeah. Two and a half years. Yeah. I think that's the reason why it's, it's worked, you know, quite, yeah. quite well, I think. And, and we're also very transparent. Like if Beth's busy doing something, then she'll say, I'll walk into her office and she'll say, not right now. <laughs> All right. This is where it gets really fun. Well, I'll come back later. Yeah, I mean, it, t it took a minute, right? This is, yeah. And it's, you know, this is what, um, I echo all that. And this is what oftentimes when we are mentoring others, right, who might be just not at the point in their careers where we are, not have been through the experiences that we've been through. And, and we say, um, you know, it takes some time. It takes some time. So don't be hard on yourself, right? You don't know what you don't know. So find a mentor, find somebody who can guide you. And relationships, we talked about this all the time, take trust. And it, that doesn't develop overnight. So it, it's sort of understanding how the other person um, is wired, right? Like to Tim's point, like, what's your deal? Like, why are you here? Talk to me more about what, what makes you sort of get up every day and do this work. And when we started to have those conversations and you started to ask me questions, and sometimes I would look and go, like, is this a – do you really want to know? Or are you, are you trying to be funny right now? And then the more I got to know you – I realized that you truly did want to know. Like at first I thought, he's setting me up. He knows this answer already. He's asking me this, this question that I know he knows the answer to. But I, but the more I got to know Tim, the more I understood it was coming from a place of, no, really, I want to be relational. I want to understand so that I can see how to be in the best possible relationship with you for the betterment of this work that we're trying to do for the good of Mel Trotter. And you do it with every single person on our team. And so... Yeah, it is interesting. Like today, I remember I was writing a thank you note to somebody, and I, you know, I'm looking down, but as a point guard on back in the day, so I have my periphery still kind of works. And I knew it was him walking in the office. I could see without looking up, and I didn't even look up, and I just said, "I'm listening." Like I'm still, I'm writing, but I'm listening. So like that's code for go ahead and talk. And he goes, and you didn't talk. Then I looked up. I'm like, why aren't you saying something? And you thought, because you thought I had said, like, n like give me a minute or whatever. I'm finishing up. So it's just that understanding that. You know, good good people with um, the right intention, and I and I think once you have that established, you realize like, okay, whatever is going to be an uncomfortable conversation is going to be uncomfortable for a quick second because it's not a personal conversation. It's a hey, I'm trying to figure this out, and you're kind of being annoying right now, so I'm going to tell you you're being annoying, <laughs> and you're going to be okay with me saying this because you know it's coming from a good place, right? But it's just, and the other last thing I'll say about it is I I didn't know fundraising. I I knew sales inside and out, and I know people, and I love people in relationship, but you really helped me to understand how to draw those parallels, and you took time in getting to know me well enough to know that, okay, I'm not just going to be able to tell this girl this directly, because she's not going <laughs> to take it so well, but if I show her, and I continue to say, hey, this is an idea, maybe you could, and then you let me get to that sort of on my own, and you just, you know, you, you led me and mentored me well in this space, and so I'm appreciative of that. You see the light once in a while. <laughs> there it is. It's good to know. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I think it's, you know, I think the other part of it is, <laughs> you know, the the mutual respect that we have. I mean, Beth, you're a tremendous communicator. You're a terrific writer. Um, you're using your gifts for the mission, for God's glory. That's not that's the, th those aren't my gifts. Yeah. My gifts are fundraising, going out and raising X amount of dollars for X project. So I think that we've we're both using our gifts, and I think that they're matching up pretty well. Yeah, they're both looking at me right now. Well, yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> and then the last thing I'll say is that you were also wise enough to um, what's the word. 
uh, encourage, gently slash constantly encourage me um, that we need a director of development. And you're 100% right in, in the hire that we put in place. So Seth is awesome. But, you know, it does create the, the right structure. It created the, okay, I'm not... <laughs> Looking back, I'm going, was this really for military? I was like, basically, so you don't have to come to me directly all the time. Because you're like, you got a buffer now, right? That's a good like, point. Right. I just go to Seth. Yeah, you just go point. to Seth. Like, oh, I can bypass Seth altogether. <laughs> but no, it works out really well. And when you've got the right people, we talk about this a lot, too. Are they on They're on the right bus, right? They want to be here. But are they in the right seat? Are they using their gifts that God gave them? And so collectively, what we each can't do, because we are not gifted in certain areas, who else on the team can do those those individual things that need to happen? And so I think we've built a really strong um, and trustworthy team. I think we all know we have each other's backs and like, we'll be the first to say, I don't have any idea what you just said. That sounds really like something I don't want to deal with. So good luck. How can I help? <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and we just do it. We just believe that it's going to work out for, for the good and it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's, I mean, you guys have hit on it, right? There's so many commonalities between you, why you do what you do, um, the passion behind it, the giftedness, the skill set. Um, but another one, and Beth, you just said it, and, and um, you actually turned me on to this series. Uh, my wife and I, you know, binge watched some, some series, and, and uh, Beth was telling me that we need to watch New Amsterdam, which I know has been around for several years. We've never watched it. And um, one of the things that you told me about was that the lead character in that show, uh, who leads this entire hospital, um, the thing that he says in the show in every episode, but what he tries to do in his leadership is he is always asking, how can I help? How can I help? And that's something else that is the same about you two, that you two share, right? Is you two are both incredibly quick to say to anyone, how can I help? How can I help? But you don't just ask it, you actually then if given the opportunity or something to help with, you do it, right? And that's the that's the spirit that is necessary for collaboration, for partnership, for ministry, um, and to help our guest, right? Because none of us can do this alone. Mm -hmm. None of us can do this alone. I mean, God didn't wire any of us to do any of life alone. He wired us to do this together. And, um, and I get excited when I watch sort of, I, sometimes I think of you guys as like this, um, non-blood related brother and sister, right? And sometimes brothers and sisters are really laughing and joking around. And sometimes there's a little bit of tension or whatever, you know, like your disagreement. But you always come together as brother and sister, right? Which is, I think, a, a beautiful picture of who we are in the body of Christ. But it's also just a beautiful picture of everyday humanity, mm -hmm. right? How we do this mm -hmm. together. So it's really, really exciting. So Tim, if you had an opportunity to say one thing to our listeners, what would you say to them? Because I guess I'm giving you the opportunity to do that. You know, I've been, I've been raising money for 16 years now, I think it's been, and uh, it, it, it's always been here in, in, in West Michigan. Um, and I would say that this community, though even those that are, that are also listening, this community is, is the most generous community in the world. Right. I know often people will say Grand Rapids is the second most giving communities, you know, only to Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I actually disagree with that. <laughs> um, I think that this community uh, gives, many of them give sacrificially. Um, many of them, many of the Maltrotter donors and, and other uh, donors that I've met along the way, um, sometimes give uh, 
we'll put less in the gas tank and just so they can send the, the extra $10 to Mel Trotter or another organization. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would that's what I would say and it's just a pure just just thank you for thank you for always thinking of other people because mm-hmm. that's what this community thinks of other people before themselves. Selflessness, right? Reminds me of the widow's might in, in scripture. And yeah. so, I, yeah, I think you absolutely hit that on the head. So, you know, I just, um, last question, and I want to leave with a bit of excitement here. So we know that our capital campaign, this this one, is supposed to wrap up the renovations by Christmas time, right? That's what Rockford has been saying. So can you just kind of paint a picture of what that sort of last phase is going to look like and what excites you most about seeing it all come to completion? Yeah, sure. Uh, so... Um, this this campaign. Let me say this first. Um, this this campaign. So again, I've been doing it 16 years. This is my fourth capital campaign. Two of them. One was in, in, in a pandemic. One was during the Great Recession. So I've done two during <laughs> during some crazy times. Uh, this this campaign is is by far the hardest campaign I've ever done in my life. Um, right, it took us three years um, in order to raise as much money as we've raised, which is which was great. Um, Dennis and I early on talked about how we had absolutely no idea how we were going to raise this much money. Mm-hmm. Had no idea, and that was the original goal was actually fourteen point nine million, um, and we ended up raising seventeen million. And, and people often ask, "Well, oh, what are you going to do with the extra two point one million? It's like, well, we already <laughs> spent it, just because In everything part is because so, of the supply chain right. and inflation. Yeah, you know, just like. Bread and milk and gas are costing everybody extra money. Materials have cost us so much more money, and a 50-year-old building is costing us so much more money. I would say that that that's that's probably the hardest. This has been the hardest campaign that I've that I've ever done in my life, um, and probably the the thing that I'm most looking forward to is. When everything is complete, that we're not going to have large dorm rooms anymore. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's re- that is the heart of the campaign, right? That every single person will have a bed of their own. It will not be on a cot on the floor. It will not be with 125 other men. Uh, it'll be you and your roommate and your suite mates, mm-hmm. and you share a bathroom. I mean, Dennis and I often talk about this. You know, we are we are one of the, if not the, uh, mission across across the country that has these suite style mm-hmm. rooms now. Right, um, that's what I'm really looking forward to. That these men and women will have their own space. They won't be sleeping with a whole bunch of other people. And I'm just I'm just fired up about that. And and uh, just fired up about what what God's going to do next, right? As we pray and um, ha- have meetings and conversations with people, right? God is, God is, God's not done. God's really going to do some really remarkable things. Um, and I'm sure you'll cover that on some future podcasts, but stay tuned <laughs> for that. It's uh, God's, God's really going to do some amazing stuff, right? We really took care of a lot of the things that we needed to take care of downtown. Now there's a number of things externally, um, at our other arms of Mel Trotter that we really need to focus on. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. Well, I think we can wrap this up by saying that we give great thanks to um, him that is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So thank you for being here. As you might know, this is our very last episode of season two. So I think we indeed did save the best for last. I'm on air saying this. So the next time you come to my office, I'm going to remind you of this. 
(laughs) Thank you for being here, listener. Thank you for joining us on the last episode of season two. And we will see you back here in September for our first episode of season three. Bye.